And I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Welcome, everybody, to the first edition of the Rubbing the Rock podcast. This is your host, Anthony Messenger. We got a lot lined up for today, but before we get into that, I wanted to make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Rubbing the Rock. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rubbing the Rock. And if you're feeling real bold, you can give us a call and leave us a question at our rant line. That's 443-584-3413. Again, that is 443-584-3413. In our first topic of the day, I wanted to discuss Athlon Sports' recently released top 25 for the upcoming 2017 college football season. Clemson is ranked 8th, and there's a host of other ACC teams that are ranked in their top 25. They have Florida State at 3, they have Louisville at 15th, they have Miami at 25, and even though Notre Dame is not an ACC team, they do play a lot of ACC teams, and they came in at 23rd. I think that these rankings are fairly accurate. I know that Clemson just won the national championship, but you got to judge each team for what they have coming into the next season. And Clemson lost a lot of experience and talent on both sides of the football. If you look at the spring game, offensively, Clemson was vanilla as can be expected. I think each of the four quarterbacks, Kelly Bryant, Tucker Israel, Zarek Cooper, and Hunter Johnson, all had their ups and downs. Um, Kelly Bryant once again showed that He lacks the ideal accuracy to run the entire offense. I think he ran the ball well, but he showed us that. We just need to see him develop as a passer, and he's yet to do that. Tucker Israel has proven himself to be an accurate passer, and I think he showed that once again in the spring game. He was the most accurate of all the four quarterbacks. However, he did throw a lot of hitches and slants and high percentage throws, so you've got to take that with a grain of salt. I think Zarek Cooper showed some promise down the field. However, he did show at times a tendency to force the football. One of them resulted in an interception. And Hunter Johnson did struggle. Um, However, he did have, in my opinion, the best throw of the day on a fade to DeAndre Overton, which resulted in the touchdown. He's still a true freshman, so he has a lot of learning to do. But if you look at it from an, an arm talent standpoint and just ability to make a play when one's needed, I think Hunter Johnson has a lot of potential for the Tigers. On the flip side of things, Clemson's defense appears to be elite again entering 2017. However, there are issues on the offensive side of the ball. I think keep them out of the conversation of being one of the top five teams in the country entering next season. I think the Tigers' defense can carry them to another 10-win season. However, I think they will struggle against the more elite teams on their schedule, such as Florida State, Auburn, and Louisville, if they cannot put points on the board. Moving on from that, we got some injury updates and some transfer news for you after the break. Got some injury news for you. Clemson tight end Garrett Williams recently tore his ACL. Um, It's not a huge blow for the Tigers as he was really a reserve fullback for them in short yardage situations and red zone situations. And at tight end, obviously, he really hasn't logged many snaps over his career, being as though the Tigers had Jordan Leggett for the past two seasons. And they're not prone to using two tight end sets with all the talent that they have at wide receiver. They like to get those guys on the field and really give them more opportunities to catch the ball. Hopefully, Williams... Has a speedy recovery, and hopefully he's back for the start of fall camp. But if he's not, I believe that Clemson will be okay offensively. It's not going to make them miss a beat. On the transfer front, Clemson recently lost Scott Pagano to the University of Oregon. 
which really is not a big blow to the Tigers. Yes, Scott Pagano logged a decent amount of snaps for them last year. However, with the immense talent that the Tigers do have at the position and the depth that they have at the position, Pagano's loss really shouldn't hurt them at all. They have the Clump Twins and Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence, and then they have viable backups in Albert Huggins, Niles Pinckney, and Jabril Robinson. Clemson also lost Adrian Baker, former defensive back for the Tigers. Um, Baker sat out majority of last year with a knee injury, and if it wasn't for that, we might not even be talking about him transferring. Either way, I think Baker is a good option for the Pokes. I think they can use him at either nickel or corner. He has the length that you covered at defensive back, and he has good fundamentals in coverage, and he plays the ball pretty well in the air. Scott Pagano, Jake Fru Morgan, and Adrian Baker may have decided to transfer, but I don't expect that to be a reoccurring issue under Dabo Sweeney. He hasn't had many people transfer from his program without him asking them to uh, during his time as a head coach at Clemson. The players that he usually lets go are ones that are causing trouble or are getting trouble, or he just doesn't feel the need to keep in the program anymore. More often than not, the kids that do want to stay at Clemson and that do their job and, and are good in the community stay at Clemson for the four to five years that their scholarship um, allows them to be there. And I think that with the way that Clemson recruits, they're not trying to fill their board with 22 to 25 guys every year. Um, And that allows them to keep every player that they offer a scholarship on scholarship. If you look at the Alabamas of the world and the Ohio States of the world, they at times will ask recruits, hey, can you gray shirt? Hey, can can you be a preferred walk-on because we don't have space on our roster or, or on our recruiting board to offer you a scholarship or you got prospects getting their their offers pulled without them knowing. It's just that's that's sad that in this day and age that coaches would not just notify a recruit at least that hey look we're we've decided to move on. I wish you the best. Um, if that prospect does decide that they still want to come to your school, then that's great. But I think you should at least give them fair warning because that sets you up for these situations where people want to transfer and these situations where people resent you, resent your program, and, and let it be known in the media what exactly went down with, with you and and them. All right, we're going to move on to the mailbag portion of our show today. we got two questions courtesy of fans on Facebook. Our first one is, why do you think that Trubisky is anticipated to go higher than Watson, even though he lacks big game experience? I think that the NFL experts and the draft experts and the scouts are looking at Deshaun Watson's um, accuracy issues down the field and his inconsistencies as far as footwork goes in the pocket and fundamentals throwing the football. And I think that's scaring them away from choosing him with the number one pick or the number 12 pick or, or just being the number one quarterback off the board in the, in the entire draft. I think that Mitch Trubisky appears uh, to be a safer pick because he is accurate at all three levels. The only problem with Trubisky is the fact that he doesn't have that big game experience. And to me, that's more important than how you play against the Dukes of the world. With all due respect to Coach Cutliffe and his program, they are not Alabama. And Deshaun Watson has time and time again proven that he can go toe-to-toe with the biggest and the best programs in the country and beat them I mean he plays his best on the biggest stage and and at the NFL level you're going to be playing against the best every weekend and to think that Trubisky only has about 13 starts under his belt to throw him into the fire in the NFL is much different than throwing him into the fire in college I mean his first game was against Georgia and he didn't play that well imagine if he has to play the Seahawks or a defense of that caliber, how is he going to respond? I don't know. I know how Deshaun Watson is going to respond. 
He's going to play his tail off. He might not play well, but he's going to show up. He's not going to be afraid of the moment. Deshaun Watson is poised. He's calm. He's cool and collected. And I think that NFL GMs are getting too caught up in the arm strength and all the other ways that quarterbacks are measured in the NFL draft. I think it's a process that's largely overthought. And I think you just, at times, yes, it's good to, to be thorough in your just examining a prospect, but to, to pass up on a guy like Deshaun Watson because you watched maybe too much tape, uh, I don't know. I don't agree with that. I think I'd take him. I mean, there was guys clamoring, I'm not going to name any names, that you should take Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning, and uh, I've, we see how that turned out. If you'd like to have any of your questions answered, make sure you call in. You don't even have to ask a question. You can call in and order pizza for all I care. But make sure you just interact with us. I mean, we really like talking to you guys. We like hearing your feedback. So make sure give us a call at 443-584-3413. Again, if you want to talk, call me an idiot, whatever you need to do. If you just want to vent, you need somebody to talk to, I'm always here, okay? That's 443-584-3413. Our second question is, Ian Wharton with Bleacher Report thinks Deshaun Watson to the Redskins with the 17th pick makes sense. I like Deshaun, but what about everything Cousins has done for them? Seems kind of a slap in the face for Kirk. What's your thoughts on the situation? I think this really comes down to the context of them selecting Deshaun Watson with the 17th pick in the first round of the 2017 NFL Draft. I don't think that Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins are ever going to be able to come to a long-term deal. They have failed to do so over the past two seasons, and it appeared that Cousins was on the fence about coming back this season. If it wasn't for the franchise tag, I don't think Cousins would be in Washington right now. I do not believe that Dan Snyder and Jay Gruden are worried about Kirk Cousins' feelings and worried about offending him because I do think that he's going to be gone next season. I think after this 2017 2018 season I think he's going to go to the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan the following offseason so to the Redskins it makes all the sense in the world to select Deshaun Watson in the first round of the NFL draft he's a good contingency plan say Cousins is not playing up to par or say he goes down with an injury next season you can plug Watson in I think he's a good fit in the offense Jay Gruden's a great offensive mind I think he could get the weapons around him and build the offense around him to where Deshaun Watson's comfortable and he's not asked to do too much during his rookie season I don't think he will play as a rookie, but you never know what can happen in the NFL. Kirk Cousins could go down on the first play of the season, and that's it. Watson's in there. I think Washington does need an insurance policy for Kirk Cousins because things have seemed to go on sour between him and the management. Dan Snyder has always been a stake in the Washington Redskins side. They cannot seem to ever have sustained success under him because he's getting in his own way. They lost to Sean Jackson. They lost Pierre Garçon. They lost Alfred Morris. The defense has been a shell of itself since Greg Williams left. There's just so much turmoil within that franchise. It's hard for a guy like Kirk Cousins to want to stay there. He's done everything they've asked him to. He's won. He's put up decent numbers. And yet, they won't sign him to a long-term deal. And it makes no sense. So yes, it makes sense for Deshaun Watson to go to the Redskins. Because Kirk Cousins is not going to be there. And I don't think they're worried about him not being there. They're not trying to spare his feelings. They're trying to build towards the future. And if they think Deshaun Watson's that future, then I think they should select him in the first round of the draft. For our last segment of the day, we're going to discuss some Clemson recruiting. It's a personal favorite of mine. 
Tigers have been busy on the recruiting trail since the beginning of the spring evaluation period. They've offered a multitude of recruits, including four-star safety Kelvin Joseph. He's a current LSU commit, and he's also from the state of Louisiana. He's a real long safety with good range and good closing speed on the football. There's a three-star defensive tackle, Aleem McNeil, out of North Carolina. He's a real athletic, kind of tweener defensive tackle prospect, but he's intriguing nonetheless. Got four-star wide receiver Brennan Eagles out of Texas. Big-time receiver out of Texas. Um, Clemson got in on him late. They're going to have to battle the likes of Ohio State, Texas, and Florida State, among a multitude of other programs for the big four-star prospect out of Texas. And lastly, we got 2019 athlete Litchfield Ajavon out of Virginia. He's a defensive back. He's still young, so we don't know how big he's going to end up being. But as of right now, he's about six foot, 185 pounds, and he's a big hitter. He comes down, fills the alley well, jars the ball loose from ball carriers. I think he's going to be an elite prospect by the time he's a senior. Unfortunately, over the weekend, there was some bad news, too. Um, Clemson lost two targets recently to the SEC and Big Ten. Nana Isidu, four-star offensive tackle out of Virginia, committed to Penn State during his visit to their spring game this weekend. And Jamarcus Chapman, a three-star defensive end out of Rome, Georgia, committed to LSU along with two of his other teammates during their visit for the Tigers spring game. Um, Some other general recruiting news. Five-star defensive end Micah Parsons, Decommitted from Penn State. He'd been committed there for a while now. Um, it appears at the moment that Ohio State is in the lead for him, though he still lists Penn State as his leader. It'll be interesting to see how Clemson approaches their recruitment of Parsons. They did offer earlier in the offseason, but they do already have commitments from Xavier Thomas and Justin Mascal, and they're perceived as a leader in the recruitment of five-star defensive end KJ Henry. Henry and Parsons are very good friends. So it'll be interesting to see if Clemson can pull a package deal with those two defensive ends. If they do, in my opinion, this will be the best defensive line class in the history of the major recruiting rankings uh, to have the number one overall defensive end, the number two overall defensive end, the number five overall defensive end, and I believe the number three overall defensive end. That would be unprecedented. Um, I wanted to touch on Clemson's recruitment of five-star wide receiver Justin Ross and four-star Brennan Eagles. Both are out-of-state prospects, and both are big-bodied wide receivers. Both Ross and Eagles stand above six foot two, nearly 200 pounds at the moment. And it appears that Clemson does lack ideal size in the wide receiver court. They do have DeAndre Overton, rising sophomore, and they do have T. Higgins, a rising true freshman, who are both above 6'3", but outside of those two wide receivers, the Clemson, the Clemson Tigers wide receiving core is fairly small. They do have a lot of speed, but they don't have a big body deep threat that they can throw the ball up to and jump all situations and count on to come down with it. Losing Mike Williams, it appears that Clemson is looking to fill that big bodied role with Ross or Eagles. I like the Tigers' chances at landing Ross much more than Eagles. It seems that Russ enjoyed, Ross enjoyed his time in Death Valley. Eagles did as well. However, he's from the state of Texas and it appears that Clemson has too much ground to make up in his recruitment. I think he's going to end up at Texas with Tom Herman. Um, Ross, though he does like in-state Alabama and Auburn, neither of those two offenses are even remotely close to Clemson as far as their ability to throw the football down the field and their talent at the quarterback position. All right, everybody, that is it for the first edition of the Rubbing the Rock podcast. Make sure to go give us a follow at blogtalkradio.com slash rubbingtherock. Like us on Facebook. You can go follow me on Twitter at AMessengerRTR for updates on next week's podcast and all things Clemson Tigers. 
This is your host, Anthony Messenger, signing off. Have a good one.